The Churchill Down Saturday Late Pick 5 edition of the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash bet365. And we're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And folks, as always, it's all good, baby, baby. It was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. I've got my Cuban links on. Yes, Cuban B. And I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. I got ice all over my body, looking like a snowman. Big rocks in the grill, dancing like a slow jam. My chain's so heavy, I'm walking like an old man. Try me, you. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome. Uh, first, I guess, happy holidays, I, I should say, since we are on Black Friday, recording this Black Friday. Uh, joining me with uh, a significantly blacker eye and less teeth after trying to fight his way through a target earlier. Ladies and gentlemen, he failed to menace, but he succeeded to steal America's heart on this Black Friday. You might know him from Naira Betts, or you might know him from just being a fucking great dude. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew DeSantis. What's up, Matthew? Welcome to the show. Happy holiday. Glad to have you. Well, uh, happy holidays, uh, Chase, and, and happy holidays to everybody else out there listening. Uh, thrilled to be on. Thrilled to talk to you. Recovering from a, a, a hustling and bustling Black Friday. Uh, in which I did absolutely nothing uh, because I order things online. But I uh, am excited to talk to you about the sequence of Churchill Downs and uh, excited, you know, as we move into really the start of the Derby prep season in some yeah. ways. Uh, and this is uh, kind of an exciting time to get these two-year-olds who are starting to have the hopes and dreams of their owners uh, and, and ending up in the first Saturday in May. And and so it's an exciting card to cap an exciting late pick five to talk about at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Yeah. And we'll figure out what horses, uh, are actually just one turn milers. Turns <laughs> exactly. out a whole lot of them turns out, uh, let's get through some musings real quick. First, uh, I just gotta say to everyone, I hope everyone had a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And if you didn't have a safe Thanksgiving, that's awesome, I guess. But we regret to hear of your passing or maiming, I guess. I guess that's the the, the counterpoint to that. I had a good one. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not with the wife and kids, but got a chance to do Thanksgiving with my parents and family for the first time uh, in quite a few years. You know, the best thing about Thanksgiving, uh, my, you know, is that my parents and my family, they, they, everyone has everyone else kind of figured out a little bit at this point. Uh, I've known them for 38 years. My sister's known them longer. Uh, I didn't have to cook shit. I didn't have to clean shit. It was my job to just make old fashions for everyone. Now, don't get it twisted. I did not cut corners. I was on my grind. I muddled orange and cherry. Let me rephrase. I did that only for, uh, with my own cocktails. I didn't cut corners with everyone else's. (laughs) I, I, I totally did. Also, yesterday I thought Matthew was engaged. Uh to Matthew, I say <laughs> uh mistaken mazel. You gotta you gotta tell tell your lady friend, your special lady friend, that when she she wears the bring like the bling like that on uh pictures on holidays, it looks like she's about to get get wifed up. 
I know it wasn't, it was so funny when you were not the only person to say that I sent that picture to a friend of mine and he was like, Oh, I almost said congratulations. And I was like, yeah, you're the second person to say that today <laughs> in about you, the span of five minutes. So you sent me that and I was driving to my, to my uh, family, you know, family's place for, for the dinner. And, uh, I, I, since I was driving, I just looked at it quick, uh, yeah. instead of not looking at it which is what someone who's not an asshole would do uh but like so i just looked at it real quick and I, that was the first thing i was, I was like oh my god matthew. <laughs> matthew is engaged am i happy or do i have to save him we don't know yet matthew brought up a, an excellent point speaking of things we're not sure about that's not true churchill downs we're gonna be talking about the late pick five saturday november 25th year of our lord 2023 uh, it starts race eight, includes four stakes races, including the grade two golden rod and the grade two Kentucky jockey club stakes. I believe one is a Oaks prep and the other is a derby prep and post time for the late pick five starts 418 Eastern 318 God's time 118 specific time for you folks on the West coast. I mean, if you've listened to the show before, you know what question is coming up next, Matthew, did you have a strategy for, for the, the sequence uh, overall or, or was it you just kind of build as you go? Yeah, it was, you know, whenever I start these, uh, and, and this is, a, I think, a helpful discussion to have. So when I start, I don't, I never go into a pick, any sequence with a strategy. Um, I handicap it, I look at it, I try to figure it out. And so it's only once I look through the whole sequence that I then go back and go, well, wait a second now, is there, you know, is this one that I can just attack super skinny? Is this one that I can, I really need to spread? Is there a particular leg? that I need to be uh, spread a little bit more on. And I think in this one, my strategy ended up being, I'm going to be pretty chalky, I think, throughout most of the sequence. So I tried to go a little spread wider in the maiden race that kicks things off, because I thought that was the one where you might have more variation. Maiden races in general, you get more upsets, more variation, horses don't fire. You know, some horse takes a, a big unexpected jump from race one to race two, and I think once you get into some of those stakes races, though it looks pretty formful and you really should not, you probably should not go more than two or three deep on most of those legs because you're probably including a really short price. And so there's no point in going, you know, including an eight to five and going five deep in that leg. You know, if you're including an eight to five, you either singular or maybe include one other horse. And, and so I think that was kind of my overall approach was like, the first leg I'm going to spread wider than the others. The rest I'll I'll be singled or maybe too deep. You know that that's pretty much exactly the the way I looked at it. I I, I was with you in this. And I I thought that there's no way that I can get through this first race in the sequence without going pretty deep uh, because it is a wide open metal maiden special weight race. There are 14 entries, two also eligibles. Uh, so I'm staying deep in the maiden special weight first leg of the sequence. And I'll be trying to find spots to get skinny late in the card because race one ain't it. And obviously, like Matthew said, there are definitely spots to get skinny. I also noted noticed a little bit on, on this card. There are at least three places where I couldn't toss the favorite and I couldn't single it. So it goes yeah. against a little bit of my like foundational how I build tickets, I guess would be the the, the way to say it. Um Let's go ahead. Let's dig in. Let's talk race eight, eight and a half furlongs, $120,000 main special weight on the dirt. To quote ODB, uh, God made dirt, dirt bust your ass. This race makes it completely understandable to skip the pick five and only play the pick four. 
<laughs> to play just a super skinny, scaled up pick four. But that's not what we're about here. We are about home run derby kind of scores. Uh, you know, I at the same time, I think this is the race I think could maybe lead to a very lucrative pick five, even if it does get chalky later. It, it, you have, I think this is where you get your one of two places where you get your your score. And I, I went, you know, five deep here. Uh, yeah. Matthew, who who'd you end up on? Did you you mentioned you also kind of wanted to go deep as well? Yeah, I went five deep as well. I went one five six seven eleven, uh, and so one will stop the press ten to one on the morning line. This is a horse that you might be able to get a little bit of a price on, and, and my logic with this one is I was I wanted to take a little bit of a flyer on a Shug McGahee horse second time out. Usually Shug is always a little bit better with horses second time out. Stretching out has the inside rail. Will have that inside ground saving uh, uh, trip, and this is a horse with expectations. One point five million dollars at sale. Uh, this is a horse that you know was highly regarded in terms of the sales price. An Uncle Mo out of a Tappet Dam uh, should absolutely like the distance. Uh, Tyler Gaffleyona board at Churchill Downs always dangerous. So stop the press will be one of the horses I use. D-Day Sky, also at 10 to 1 for Ian Wilkes, uh, is another one I like. This is a horse that has good early tactical speed. Uh, I thought ran well at seven furlongs, which is always a tricky distance. I actually think might like stretching out a little bit more, has that kind of tracking type of running style that tends to do well at Churchill Downs going two turns. Uh, And so wanted to use that one. Landeros as a jockey is off to a really nice start uh, at Churchill Downs this meet as well. And the horse has been working out. Uh, very nicely, another 10 to one horse. And then the other ones that I use are, you know, a little bit more on the chalky side, the six, seven and 11, uh, the six being a uh, lot long at four to one for Ken McPeak. Uh, tried the turf last time out. Uh, didn't run poorly. Actually, maybe ran a little bit better, although the fire, fire speed figure came back slower. Um, but certainly, you know, has done two turns before, has done a mile on a 16th, which I do think is a credit here because some of these horses are stretching out two turns for the first time and having one who knows how to do that at least, and has done it before, I think has added positive experience. Uh, the Steve Asmussen horse, the number seven track phantom three to one uh, son of quality road and out of the into mischief dam is probably going to be the speed of the speed. Churchill downs can absolutely be a conveyor belt nearly got the job done last time at a mile on a sloppy track. We'll see if uh, he's able to get the job done there. And then the 11 is, is a horse I'm really intrigued by uh, for Riley Mott. Uh, that's one with Flavian Proud aboard. Uh, and this is one who I I know the horse faded going a mile, but I actually think, you know, sloppy sealed track. I'm willing to kind of toss that effort. I think that effort two back is what you're going to look at. A nice tracking trip, uh, very similar to one of the other horses I mentioned uh, in terms of D-Day Sky. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of use those five as my approach to the first leg of this uh, pick five sequence. You know, I, I also went five deep, and we ended up on three of the, the same horses. Let me go ahead and give you everyone that I'm using. Uh, I'm using the four Wistucky at 10 to 1, the six Lat Long at, at uh, 4 to 1, the seven Track Phantom 3 to 1, the 10 Greer's Ferry at 15 to 1, and the 11 Top Gun Rocket at 9 to 2. Uh, I hope this doesn't chalk out, but given the fact that Matthew and I are all both on the top three choices in the race, there's a good chance that it could. The hope is that it, it doesn't. Um, of course, the good news is with the price of my ticket, I could also, you know, 
still get like a three to one profit if this does does uh you know chalk out let me give the horses that matthew didn't mention that i have uh the four wistucky at 10 to 1 praise be to the dale tar because glory to the dale tar means glory to me uh had a trouble trip in the uh, only other race on faster. Dale Tar does well with this sprint to route move. So I thought that this one could be live on the ticket at 10 to 1. And then I also used the 10 Greer's Ferry at 15 to 1. Named for a picturesque lake in north central Arkansas. And owned by Arkansas's short-leaf stables. This should be one of the speed contenders to track Phantom. And what do we know about maiden special weight races and just maiden races in general? It's that they're typically going to be won in gate to wire type fashion. So I don't mind seeing Greer's Ferry, uh, a horse I think that could run kind of poorly placed at 15 to one and adding him on the ticket. So I was four, six, seven, 10 and 11 there. You, you can almost say that we, we got that race covered 365 degrees. <laughs> that would be an insult to our good friends at Bet365. We are brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book trusted by over 88 million players worldwide. Props, sides, totals, live betting, Bet365 has you covered. And if you like boosts, you're going to love Bet365. Do you like a 30% profit boost on your NFL same-game parlays? Oh, yeah, you're going to love Bet365. Plus, they even have an early payout offer if your team goes up by 17 points. Listen, screw comebacks. They say if you got 17 points, you got it in the bag. Sign up today and choose from two bonus offers: either a $1,000 no sweat bet or get a five or a bet five get 150 in bonus bets. Just head to sportsgamblingpodcast.com/bet365. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com/bet365, or use sign up use the sign up link in our show bio. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And hell, if you're dabbling on college football today, why not swing by Iowa on the money line? That's a play I like. All right, time for a rehydration interlude. We've got a lot of work to do. All right, that's that's our Mark Capitan sound drop, by the way. That's <laughs> the man who catches a million strays. The man who finished, by the way, you said he finished 16th at the Bucky, right? Yeah. Pretty incredibly pretty impressive. impressive. And uh, also a, a top 20 finish for a man who's an absolute sweetie pie uh, is the only way that I can I can find to describe it. Moving on, race nine. This is when we get into the stakes races uh, of this sequence. Six and a half furlongs, $225,000. Uh, the Ed Brown stakes. I don't know if Ed Brown is, uh, it didn't say memorial, but uh, RIP Ed Brown. We miss you every day. Uh, this is a race that Matthew is 100% going to make fun of me for. Uh, why? Because it's a stakes race as a sprint that I think will break down and is won by a closer. Uh, uh, Matthew, what'd you think of the uh, the Ed Brown? Uh, did you also think that a horse could come from off the pace? Uh, I did think it was possible a horse could come from off the pace because it is there's a there's there's absolutely a ton of speed in this race for sure, uh, and it it absolutely could break down. Um, Booth is very, very fast. Uh, the favorite, uh, Steve Asmussen's uh, favorite at the number nine horse at seven to five on the morning line. Uh, but you look, there's a whole lot of ones across everybody's yep. running lines and yep. not a lot of horses that want to take back, it appears. Now, maybe some of them do. And this is something that is 
always tough to do from a handicapping perspective. Because here's the thing. The jockeys look at the past performances as well. And the jockeys look at this and go, <laughs> we can't all be on the lead. And there are some jockeys who are going to be tactical probably and are going to say, we got to take back. We can't get into this sort of a shootout. And so sometimes the speed that it looks like it's going to be on paper doesn't end up materializing quite the same way at the track because there are tactical decisions made. That said, you run this thing on paper, <laughs> it's a barn burner. And I don't know if they all just wear each other out up front and somebody you know, comes from the back. So I'm interested to hear who you have uh, on your ticket coming from off the base. You know, I, I'm going to hop on my my recent soapbox that I've been on uh, previously, which is this is not a good race to single. Why? Yeah. Because I'm on two closing type horses that aren't going to make their own trips, and that makes them incredibly risky single prospects. This was the only race that didn't pull me out of my uh, comfort zone in terms of how I like to strategize and play my ticket structures. Uh, because I ended up with two overlays, I could toss the chalk and just use these two horses that are coming from off the pace. The first one's going to be the two Agoo at six to one. This Munnings baby just broke the maiden running from off the pace on a speed favoring main track at Keeneland. I admittedly don't know much about the trainer Whitworth D. Beckman. Um, other than he's got a, a real downtown white boy name, uh, but. He's positive ROI and hitting at 14% this year with a positive ROI for the year, as well as a positive ROI and non-graded stakes with a you know, decent sample size. And then I used the five, bye-bye Liam at eight to one. Uh, if if the ass man has a good good day, I, I have a good day. Because I was on his horse in the previous race. I've got another ass man here on the card. Uh, bye-bye Liam showed the ability to pick up pieces chasing a hot pace in the slop last out uh, to win. Uh, that's the kind of run that I want to see. Now, granted, it was a 21-second opening quarter, uh, but I think you could see something that fast. Um, being able to pick up the pieces on a sloppy sealed track is always a good sign for me, but you also have to wonder, do the tactics change? Whose tactics have changed, kind of like Matthew mentioned? Yeah. I So <clears throat> I kind of split the difference between you and I. Uh, so I have the five and the nine uh, and in this leg, and – uh, you know, so again, if Asmussen has a good day, we both have a good day. Um, and because the, these are both Asmussen horses and you already outlined the five, uh, bye-bye Liam makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, is a horse that naturally likes to come from off the pace. We'll get that set same setup and we'll be able to tuck in behind the early speed and then, you know, angle out at the top of the stretch, presumably and start tracking people down as, as horses start getting a little bit of leg weary, uh, going that six and a half furlongs. I, my argument on using the nine is the nine might just be better than everybody else. And it uh, could just be one of those horses that is like, Oh, there's a lot of speed in this race. And then you just see the nine and you go, Oh no, there's really just one speed horse in this race. And everybody else is you know, racing for second right. sort of a right. thing. Uh, you know, it could be a little bit of like, it reminds me a little bit like Saudi crown, like when Saudi crown got out there in the Pennsylvania Derby, it's like, Oh, is there a lot of speed? No, it's just Saudi crowns, like light years faster than everybody else. And so, uh, is able to kind of wire the field. So I kind of wanted to try to have my cake and eat it too. Obviously, listen, I hope I catch the eight to one rather than the seven to five, uh, in this one, but I figured this way kind of, I had both ends of it covered because as you said, it, it's a hard race to single. And I would argue it's a hard race to single, even if you like a speed horse, because there's a lot of speed in here. And I feel like you, you kind of have to back yourself up a little bit 
uh, with with one of those selections. So I'll go five nine. Go too deep in this uh, bike. All right, there we go. We're both too deep. Uh, moving on. Let's hit race ten. Eight and a half furlongs. Four hundred thousand dollars. The Golden Rod Stakes, a Grade Two, a Kentucky Oaks. I Oaks dirt uh prep. I didn't look it up to confirm it, but I'm assuming. Uh, I'm pretty it certain is. it is. And it's get you yep, get Kentucky, it it's one of the smaller Kentucky Oaks points races. I think first probably getting 10. All uh, of them are they're all like 10 points, I think, this time of yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh listen, they, they stretch out for the first time in the in the sequence, and the pace complexion of this graded stakes tilt is much different from the previous race being loaded with early speed. Uh, this one seems to have a, uh, I would say dearth cause I feel fancy of early pace. And that leaves me looking at two horses and leaves me with a tough decision to make because both the horses I like are the top two choices on the money line. And it puts me in a place where I'm either going to need to single one of these horses and toss the other. And that's exactly what I'm doing. It's tough because both the horses show the same quality that makes them singleable though, which is a versatile running style. But you know what? Single, we still will. Um, yes, I'm, I'm single. I, I want to mingle. You want to mingle? Yeah. Now-, now that I've built up that that uh, anticipation there, uh, Matthew, what are you doing in this race? I'll give my single after you give give your play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was uh, kind of tough for me because, it, it <laughs> like you, uh, I thought this race came down to the two favorites, the number seven, uh, uh, West Sunset. Uh, who's two to one for Brad Cox and number eight, Torpedo Anna, eight to five for Ken McPeak. Now, this is where like your heart and your head and like all this other stuff kind of plays into things. If you just 99 times out of 100, I will always take a Brad Cox horse over a Ken McPeak horse. I just will. Um, and I trust Brad Cox a lot more on big days and big stakes races than I do Ken McPeak. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things. That said, I like the horse Torpedo Anna more than I like uh, the, the the Cox horse. Even though I think the Cox horse is probably lone speed, I think that uh, Torpedo Anna is just going to tuck right behind that and just track right off that pace, uh, especially since she's breaking right outside of her. So I'm singling Torpedo Anna. I'm going to single in the eight. The horse worked out really nicely prior to that last race that was $100,000 um optional claimer and and, you know to some extent west sunset i'm a little the horse got a really easy lead last time out and and that and was on a speed favoring track and was able to wire the field the horse also has very modest uh pedigree now i mean in many ways it was already kind of it was a private sale so i don't know how much the horse sold for but it was only spread for ten thousand dollars it was already made almost two hundred thousand so I mean, this is a horse that seems to be extremely profitable already for for Brad Cox. Flavian Pratt stays aboard, so there's clearly a lot to like there. But I just think uh, that it was really impressive last time out. When you go back and look at Torpedo Anna's effort last time out, really did have an issue at the start, bobbling there, and then just so easily made up the ground and just blew away the competition uh, going uh, that one-turn mile. I think should like two turns. So I'm going to single Torpedo Anna and uh, I'll be kind of, you know, chewing at my nails on this one and, and seeing if I regret not going the other direction. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. 
Yeah, I same. I I <laughs> you you said pretty much exactly what I was thinking. The only thing that I'm going to add to it is that Torpedo Anna uh had the toss up of going West Sunset or Torpedo Anna. I settled on Torpedo Anna uh because the horse has shown a versatile running style um on fast tracks. There's yeah. not the whole question of like do the tax exchange with slop like the, the horse looks like a push-button horse that can do whatever it, it can to win. And I know it's a more uh, honest assessment that it's a push-button horse because I don't have a sloppy track where there might have been a little bit of, of chaos or, uh, you know, where, like, uh, West Sunset got loose on the lead on a sloppy sealed track. It's really hard to catch a horse as loose on the lead on a sloppy sealed track. Uh, and the fact that that horse pulled away, I mean... Yeah, it, ma- it makes me think that everyone who was off the pace was running into a bias uh, in the in the rags to riches there. I also I'll say, uh, you know, everything I said about Brad Cox versus Ken McPeak is, is something I truly believe. But the one area where Ken McPeak always does have good horses is these two year olds. I mean, this is kind of Ken McPeak season, like really, really early Derby prep and Oaks prep. Like this is where Ken McPeak horses gain a lot of momentum. Uh, and get a lot of buzz, and then I would argue they fail to deliver most of the time, but this is the time that his barn kind of peaks with these two-year-olds. So it's the time to race McPeak's going to win. Or does it McPeak? Boom. Suck it, world. I, I set you up with that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, Matthew's not an underdog when it comes to set, setting me up. <laughs> but you know who is an underdog? Our good friends at Underdog Fantasy. Because Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. Hey, I've got a favorite underdog pick them for, for today's play. Give me Raheem Mostert higher than a half receiving or rushing touchdown. Devon A. Chang out. He's going to get the boat boatload of carries. So. Watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by the good nerds at Hall of Fame Bets, where you can win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. You can research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data that's right they have both footballs covered enter any parlay idea into hall of fame bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value stop betting in the dark join over thirty thousand researchers with hall of fame bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays download the hall of fame bets app or visit hofbets.com use code sgpn to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets and time for a little hydration in our living. Yo, I just bought a dinosaur like Nicolas Cage. Uh, hey, what happened? Hey, what's going on? That interlude actually just alerted me to uh, the fact that uh, I'd say a criminal level uh, injustice uh was done earlier uh let me fix that um ladies and gentlemen matthew desantis if you like i'd abbreviate it not into yoga if you have half a brain if you like making love at midnight there it is 
I, I had to add a little like a uh, lover boy growl yeah. to that, you know, got to, got to put a little gravel in it and make the song your <laughs> own. All right. Let's make this pick five sequence. Our own. When we move along to the Kentucky Derby prep on the card race 11, the penultimate leg eight and a half furlong, $400,000 Kentucky jockey club stakes, a grade two. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say, uh, uh Oh damn. Wolfie done did it two times. And then I'm looking for the right sound drop for this. Will I ever find it? Will I ever find it? Three. Uh, I might have to, I might have to fix an injustice. Oh, there it is. Hit me two times. There we go. <laughs> I'll go ahead. I'll lead us off here. I I'm a single uh, I, I'm double singled. Uh, it's the number seven risk it at five to two. L- listen, wow. these races, okay. These are usually, these races are usually won by these Brad Cox style runners. What do I mean by a Brad Cox style runner? It likes to run early. It likes to run fast and it likes to do that for a really long time. They remind his horses remind me of the Harding university, uh, ultimate Frisbee team. If you're not familiar with Harding University, it's Church of Christ. So they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't they they don't smoke that tweed, uh, as as you might say. They're not Holden. Holden Caulfield didn't come to their parties. Um and their idea of fun was to just be physically fit and run way longer and faster than everyone else for a, a long time. It's kind of obnoxious, but it works in horse racing, so I'll take it here. Um I you know I think that this horse has a high cruising s- speed, but it also is versatile, kind of like what I saw in the previous race. It showed the ability to sit off the pace and make a closing move uh, last out. I think that the pace in this race, you would need to be forwardly placed, though, and, and that this one will probably, I think, be a, a dead send and will likely have to either stock or out-duel second choice uh, the sixth stretch ride for for the Dale Tar. Um, you know, Risk It is one for two with the second in the Iroquois. Uh, I, I think I like seeing that this horse isn't facing winners for the first time. So yeah, I'm doing it. I'm singled yet again, but this time using risk it five to two for Brad Cox. Uh, what, what do you think of the Kentucky, Kentucky, uh, jockey club? So I want to make one correction. So risk it is for Steve Asmussen. Oh, uh, my apologies. My apologies. Yeah. yeah, that's that's that makes more sense. Why, uh, if I was going to have a great day, uh, it was going to be because uh, Steve Asmussen won a bunch yes. of races. Good catch, thank you, sir. Yeah, no, not a problem. Uh, so I, this is funny. So we differ here because I decided to fade risk it, um, and go with the other two top choices. And so I am too deep here with Stretch Ride and the number one Awesome Road, who is a Brad Cox runner. Who, as you said, Brad Cox horses like to run fast. They like to run fast for a really long time. Uh, and uh, I don't know exactly what happened in that breeder's futurity. Uh, it didn't seem like the horse, I, the, from a from a pedigree standpoint, the horse should have no problem getting the distance. Uh, and I'm willing to give this one another shot. Uh, and the horse has been working out well. And Cox horses typically are able to stretch out and get that mile on the 16th at a minimum. Um, Flavian Pratt stays aboard. The horse is seven to two has the inside rail, uh, has the sort of tactical speed you saw in debut. So I don't think the horse will get shuffled back. I think should sit more of a pocket trip. I would imagine behind risk it and 
the Dale Roman's horse, the number six stretch ride. And so I think, you know, could end up getting just the right trip in this sort of a setup. And I think it's expected to come back and fire a little bit stronger and obviously ran against really good competition to that breeder's futurity uh, with locked and the wine steward and, and horses like that. So, uh, you know, no, no slouch there. Uh, and if it can run back to that maiden effort, which granted was at six furlongs, I, I think this is a horse is pretty dangerous and get a little bit of value on at six to one or seven to two, I should say. And then the number six is my other uh, selection in this race stretch ride for Dale Romans. This is a horse also that has beaten winners uh, before. Uh, and so this two for two in its career. And I'm shocked that you've turned your back on the Dale Tar at this point in the sequence. Disappointed in you, uh, quite yeah. frankly, saddened. You know, with uh, most with most Colts, whenever, you know, I have this this unrational, irrational belief in the Dale Tar, right? What I've found uh, watching uh, cult programming on uh, various streaming services, which is just it's up there with aliens now. Uh, if it's <laughs> if it's a, um, you know, a documentary documentary series about a sex cult or about aliens i'm pretty much in um but yeah what i've found with cults is that whenever you know what they say doesn't come true they they just change it up so that's probably what i need to do with the dale tards but oh no the dale tar wasn't resurrected because you ate meat on a friday boom that's your problem um but yeah i i understand i understand why you're why you're shocked i didn't use use the dale tar yeah, and, and I guess one of the interesting things is going back and looking, and so we should point out Riskin hasn't run since that Iroquois in the grade three uh, on September 16th. Shout out to my dad. That's his birthday. Um, but Big stre- shout out. Big shout out, Blaze. <laughs> uh, stretch ride comes back, or you know, he didn't run. He broke his maiden actually the next day, then comes back and runs on October 14th in a $100,000 optional claimer. And beats easily two horses that risk it beat in terms of seize the gray and edified in that Iroquois, but beat them by a significantly larger margin uh, and just really looks good. I mean, and he also beat a horse that you mentioned that you like uh, in the first leg or not, uh, maybe the second leg, uh, a goo, uh, one of the other horses uh, beat that horse in debut. So he's beaten some nice horses. I, I like that he's two for two. I like that he's beaten winners in a high level allowance race, basically. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'll go one six in this one. It wouldn't shock me if the seven one, but I, I figured I'd take a little bit of a swing. Well, there we go. Uh, on to the final leg, race 12, the six and a half furlong, $225,000 Fern Creek stakes. It doesn't say uh, Memorial, but uh, RIP Fern Creek, Fern Creek. We miss you every day. Um <laughs> I've bought myself some leeway to run a lot of equity through this last race if need be. Yeah. But will but will need be, I guess is the question. I say kinda. I say kinda. I, I think I can go three deep here if I don't throw out the chalk, which I can't, but I also can't single it because I'm not so certain it's not an off-pace horse that you know that wins, and that puts me in a position to throw a, a run style at, at this problem. With, with three horses I, I want the chalk who has the run style but i also like some bigger prices that have sort of similar run styles that can uh have big late pace briz figures here uh matthew what you, what'd you think of this race did you think it was another one that could possibly fall to a closer it is a six and a half furlong stake so that is my default mode yeah it is this is a good point um i think that it's 
you know, what's challenging about this is it's a lot of horses that are running in their second, maybe their third race. And yes, most of them won their maiden, as we talked about. Most maidens are one in gate-to-wire fashion. That doesn't necessarily mean they're all need-to-lead type of horses. And I, I think that's always a difficult thing when you start trying to project this out to go, yeah. do they all need to? Well, no, not necessarily. Like some of these might end up being more naturally mid-pack horses. So I don't, I, I can't speak with 100% certainty that there's going to be a fast pace. I also am three deep, so I'll be interested to see whether or not we're on the same three. I'm on the one, four, and 12 in this race. Uh, the one is your favorite uh, this is another Brad Cox horse, Tyler Gaffley on a board. Uh, always a dangerous combination at Churchill Downs over the last year. The two of them are winning 36% of their races. Uh, so that's not bad. Uh, and this is a horse that just seemed to do its best. Obviously, you know, at that six furlongs last time out in the Myrtlewood, winning easily uh, over some of the, the same competition as today. Uh, and while the horse certainly was very forwardly placed, did not need the lead, was second at, at second call uh, and was able to then just kind of, you know, move past the the front runner at that point and win easily by seven lengths. Uh, has the inside rail, but has the tactical speed. Shouldn't be an issue getting out. Uh, I do think the four, uh, Helena's Forte, or maybe Helena's Fort, after all the discussion about how do you pronounce Forte last year. Um, Philip Bauer is 38% at Churchill Downs this meet, so that's kind of hard to ignore. Uh, this is another horse that does have some really good early speed uh, and one at five and a half furlongs, uh, stretching out a little bit. But, you know, sired by Matoli, excited to see what this one's able to do. Uh, and then the 12 is kind of a little bit of a price. Irish Maxima, this is a horse that's getting the blinkers added and took a step back in the frisette. But I love that this is a horse that's coming out of grade one competition. And we saw how good that frisette came back as just FYI ended up winning the juvenile Phillies um, in the Breeders' Cup has Louis Saez aboard and now gets the blinkers added. Uh, I'll, I'll use this one. I, I, I'm intrigued by this one. I know if you look at the pace of that Pimlico race, it won two back. It was very slow for a six furlong race. And this is one that, again, might not need the lead, but breaking from the outside, having the uh, blinkers, look for Louis to get this one engaged early, but maybe just sitting off the pace a little bit at 12 to one, willing to take a shot there. So I would... I'm three deep. Uh, you mentioned the chalk. You almost had me. There's really not not much more to say about that one. Uh, I used two longer prices, though, along with the chalk. And the first one's going to be the six, Ma Ray's Girl at 20 to one. For a second, I thought this one's name was Ma Rainey. And if this horse was black, I was going to say everyone was going to watch Ma Rainey's Big Black Bottom as it ran. Or well, I can't even remember the name of the, the, the play now, but um, <laughs> there's, there's your touch of culture for the day. Uh, now, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to price. 20 to 1. More of a traditional deeper closer, but not without a chance here for Dougie Fresh, a.k.a. Doug O'Neill, uh, with Rafael Bejarano up. And then, you know, he's the 10. Sharp tune at 6 to 1, because if it's a good day for Steve Asmussen, it's a good day for me. If I like <laughs> closers, then I, I've I've got to wear my Rosario rubber here if I like closers. Uh, I don't want to get raw-dogged by Joel to close this ticket out. No better way to get hand, the handicapping clap than to not wear your Ros Rosario rubber. So, uh, guys, wrap it up uh, with a sharp tune with a Rosario up at, at six to one. So I finished it out one, six, and ten. Uh, I had a sidebar here question. Uh, yeah. and it had to had to do with uh, the what I mentioned earlier 
uh, with the, uh, the, you know, uh, Kentucky jockey club stakes here and talking about the run styles that traditionally, uh, win derby preps and the run styles that for a long time traditionally won, uh, Kentucky derbies outside of the last two years results. The derby has been mainly a race for that style of horse. And since these are the type of horses that win these preps and end up free, is it possible that while the preps aren't over indexed in this running style, having all, you know, the majority of the winners showing up in the Kentucky Derby at the first weekend of May leads, it could lead to a, a long streak of closers winning Kentucky Derbies for, for a few years to come. I, I think so. Uh, I think the fact that you just, you're right. You see the same style of runner rack up all these points in all these different prep races. And it's rare to see a horse come from well off the pace. You know, you kind of saw this here in the Oaks with a horse like wet paint, uh, who who kind of won repeatedly on the Oaks Trail coming from well off the pace as a deep closer. Of course, she then then did not win uh, the Kentucky Oaks. Um, but it's rare uh, to see that sort of deep closing style. I mean, at most, you see a tracking horse, maybe a horse that likes to sit, you know, third or fourth or something like that uh, and then make a move. But there's a lot of forward speed. One of the things I will say, what also happened the last two years? There was no Bob Baffert. Uh, California speed is real speed. And, you know, it's possible that we just, you know, uh, maybe once Baffert comes back, oh, here comes the California speed horse that can sit second behind a really fast fraction and still close. Um, You know, we should point out, we almost had a horse like two fills pull it off. I I mean, uh, two fills sat right on that pace and finished a really game second uh, this year. Uh, well, everybody else collapsed who was on that pace, but but he kind of stayed up really close. So I don't know. I, it does seem like there is an overwhelming preponderance of speed in these races. And, uh, you know, I think we do have to take that into consideration when it comes time for May to look at what happened the last two years and go, this is probably the start, at least of a mini trend. Uh, and we this should probably be something we incorporate into our handicapping rather than assuming it's just going to be a horse up front. You know, it's going to be a horse that breaks well and gets out in the top three or four. And that's who's going to win the Kentucky Derby. It's like, eh, not if they're going 46 and two, that's not going to be the pace. And the yeah. other thing is we're not really breeding for a mile and a quarter anymore. Are we? We're breeding for one turn miles. And, and as evidenced by what you said at the very beginning of this, which is like, we're going to see who likes two turns and who likes a one turn mile. And the reality is most of these Kentucky Derby horses turn back to a one turn mile. Uh, yeah. Or turn back to sprinters once it's over, or just stick yeah. to a mile and a sixteenth, and you know they're not meant for a mile and a quarter. So I, I think pedigree has a lot to do with it as well. I'm with you, and I I, I had that just kind of, and that's 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 why I wanted to make sure to get the sidebar in because I, I I had that thought earlier, and I made sure to to write it down. But also it makes me think that I'm I'm going to start looking for these horses in these preps ra- prep races that might be able to close and have come from off the pace. And those are the yeah. horses I'm going to start looking at in the Kentucky Derby futures pool. Even though I don't think that the Kentucky oh. Derby's future pool is a, is a necessarily the greatest bet, uh, because for example, your horse might not run in the Kentucky Derby. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, uh, I mean, imagine what you could catch some of these horses at. You could probably catch them at triple digit odds versus when you catch them on Derby Day at, you know, I, I'll i take 125 to one versus 80 to one any today, even though 80 to one is fucking nice. <laughs> I'll take both. Yeah. I mean, nope. I, so uh, the other thing to your point, Chase, I think that's really interesting is the last two winners have yet to win a subsequent race. 
Right. Right. Britt Strike has never won, never has won again, and Mage has never won again. Uh, now Mage still has some races in him, I think, and and might very well end up winning. He's going to run in the Pegasus. We'll see against who, uh, and he might run a local prep down at Gulfstream Park, which would seem kind of custom made for him to get a victory. But uh, you know, it, it speaks to kind of, and, and that's one of the things why I guess I, I always push back when I see people declare so-and-so is the best three-year-old right after the Kentucky Derby's over. And it's like, I, it's the flukiest race of the year. It's got the most horses of any race. It's got yeah. the most insane pace of any race. And it's the most anomalous result of any race these horses are ever going to run in. And other than the Belmont Stakes, it's the longest race that they're ever right. going to run in in their career. So to say this is the best horse, stop it. Uh, you know, Archangelo ended up being the best three-year-old. He didn't even run in uh, the first two legs of the triple crown. So right. it was, you know, it, it's just kind of a, uh, it's, it's turned into a little bit of a flukier thing. And I know people in Kentucky don't like to hear that, but it's it's kind of the way it's unfortunately starting to turn out a little bit. I'm I'm with you. I think unless you have like just what could be a super horse win the Kentucky yeah. Derby. Like, I, I, I mean, the best three-year-old doesn't show up until uh, at the earliest, the Travers, at the yeah. latest uh, Breeders' Cup, you know, Saturday. But by the way, I'm putting my write-in ballot in. Nobody's asking for it, by the way. I'm just going to send it to the Eclipse Awards. Uh, we'll see if they accept it. Yeah, uh, write me in for best podcast while you're at I'm, it. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not putting a return address on my envelope, uh, so they're stuck with it. But um, I'm. I'm writing in Dermasodagake as my top three-year-old. The hell with it. Um, he he ran. Uh, you know, ran second in the Breeders' Cup. Yep. Best three-year-old, and so that's that's my logic. Right. Just stick it to it. So, right, uh, right. But, you know, and that again, that shows you how fluky things are to some extent. I mean, there's a horse that completely missed the break at the Kentucky Derby, almost unseated as jockey, ended up finishing sixth, then doesn't run a Canandilla Breeders' Cup Classic, looks cooked on the backstretch. And I mean, Lemaire is really working at him right. and ends up finishing a driving second to, to White Abario and, and easily beats every, the rest of the horses in the field. So, uh, you know, kind of bizarre year uh in terms of some of the three and so some of this might just be anomalous and uh, might just be a little bit of a fluke and a, a hiccup on the historical trend line uh but i i think you raise enough good points chase that it, it's something that people looking at those futures pools that's a good point i didn't even think of that when we started talking about it but looking at those future pools and starting to say where are my mid-pack horses where are my closers and and putting some money on that it's not a bad idea yeah, which it's a 100% just 180 flip from from what I would typically be looking for yeah. in, a, in a Kentucky Derby futures pool. Let's wrap up these tickets before we get out of here. I ended up with a $15 ticket at a 50 cent base. Matthew, I think you were you were pretty close uh, to that to that total as well. I was a 30 cent I was a 30 dollar ticket with a 50 cent base. So. There we go. All right. Uh I'll go ahead and rattle mine off. Uh first yeah. leg we went 5 deep, 4 6 7 10 11 uh leg two two deep two five then we hit our double singles leg three we're singling the eight leg four singling the seven and then finishing it up with the one the six and the ten and you know what no i was right okay i thought i did my math wrong for a second that's 15 bucks okay cool <laughs> yeah so i went five deep in the first leg one five six seven eleven and then in the second leg i went five nine and I also singled the eight into the third leg, just like Chase did. In the fourth leg, I went one six. And then in the final leg, I went one for 12 and $30 on a 50 cent base. 
There we go. Matthew, what, uh, what you want to tell the folks what you got going on right now? Uh, any any fun things going on with uh, Naira Betts? I know you guys are going to be doing I, – I, I got wind that you guys might be doing a Oakland uh, uh, Aqueduct pick five uh, special thing this uh, this winter, uh, which I think you've done they've done before, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope I'm not blowing up your spot here. No, not at all. I think, they're, yeah, we're definitely going to be doing a lot of stuff with Oaklawn. We always love partnering with Oaklawn uh, over the winter uh, and uh, should be down there. And I might actually also be making a star appearance down at Oaklawn Park at some point this spring, uh, which would be fun. Um, but, yeah, Listen, we got a lot I know on. you don't get high, but it's Friday <laughs> and you ain't got shit to do. And if you come to Oaklawn, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, the uh, So what do we have coming up? Well, listen, we got the Cigar Mile coming up in the Remsen. Uh, and so that's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. And one of the things people who followed me before on social media, at failed to menace know that before I joined Naira bets, I would do a show called capping the card where I went races one through the card, gave my top pick, my top value play. Uh, so I'm going to bring that back on a live stream, actually on Twitter the night before the cigar mile, we're going to do betting the card. So a little bit different. So rather than talking about capping every single race, talking about how do I approach betting every single race from a vertical or a horizontal standpoint. Uh, and again, trying to provide some value, try to provide some perspective on how am I, how am I approaching this race? Where am I going to try to find value in verticals? Where am I going to try to single or uh, spread when working horizontally? So uh, going to do some fun stuff like that, but we always have a lot of great content. We have the stuff up on the website for the Japan Cup, Equinox versus Liberty Island versus Vela Azul. Always a lot of good stuff overseas as well. So whatever you're into, we got you covered on Naira Bet. So come over to the app or go to the website and check it out. All right. Check out that stuff on Naira Bets. Matthew's always doing great content, and he's doing it in a creative way. Listen, there are a lot of people that do kind of what Matthew and I do. Um, and I'm not sure I don't fall into this category, but a lot of people suck at it. A lot of people really kind of just suck at it it's just you know handheld videos of yeah i like the two and i like the three at aqueduct and the third and uh yeah here's my long shot lock a palooza of the week that that sort of thing uh if you want well thought out content check out what what matthew's doing at naira bets um Appreciate that's gonna it. do it for us here yeah oh yeah of course of course of course oh, anytime um <laughs> That's going to do it for us here at the Notorious OTB. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, and let's cash a ticket on Saturday. We will catch you next week.